Next up on the Renaissance Man podcast, we have chef, author, and TV personality, Carla Hall, who is bringing her bright color palette to a line of kitchenware with QVC. Coming up, I talk to this culinary master about who her greatest influences are when it comes to food, the lessons she's learned about living in her authenticity, and her top five kitchen essentials. Up next, Carla Hall. Let's go. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive of rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. This week's theme is never, ever, ever forget where you came from. If you know me, you know how I put on for my city, on, on for my city, the 313, the mitten, what up dope? Detroit is where the name Jalen was created. It's where I fell in love with basketball. And it's the place that shaped the person I am today. It also is the place that changed music forever. Shout to the Motown sound, Barry Gordy. It's also the first place where cars were featured as it relates to auto shows. Detroit is my home. Detroit is my heart. And on this show, you know, each time I have a guest on, I make sure I ask them where they were from, how they were raised, and how their story began. We all have roots. We're connected to places and people who came before us. And someone who knows about that importance of this connection is my next guest. Carla Hall has been entertaining audiences with her enthusiasm for life and warm personality for years. And she began telling her ancestral story through her food, cookbooks, and so very much more. Coming up, I talked to Carla about her upbringing 
in Nashville. The financial challenges she overcame when she started her own business and how she stays connected to her heritage in all aspects of her life. Up next, Carla Hall. My next guest is not only a chef, cookbook author, an Emmy-winning TV personality who won over audiences by competing on Top Chef. She didn't stop there. And Top Chef All-Stars before co-hosting the daytime talk show, The Chew. I'm hungry just saying it. She's always stood by her philosophy of cooking with love. And now she's launching a collection of kitchen and food items with QVC called Sweet Heritage by Carla Hall. It is my honor to welcome the talented Carla Hall to the Renaissance Man podcast. Taylor, that was amazing. I, I feel like I want to take you around to introduce me and <laughs> Yes, and well deserved. And many congrats. How did your upbringing in Nashville shape who you are? And what are the foods you remember eating growing up? Um, so I grew up in Nashville. Just imagine the mid-60s. So I was born in 1964. And soul food or the, the foods that I was eating at my grandmother's house, we went there every Sunday after church. My mother didn't cook. My mother made five things. And one of them was hamburger helper. One of them was meatloaf, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> which I love. I, I, I mean, I, I love meatloaf. Um, but I think the food and the time spent at both grandmother's houses just truly influenced me in terms of my palate and the types of foods that I like and the balance between like those pickles and savory and, and desserts like pound cake and chocolate layer cake and caramel cake and all of those things that I would have and really great fried chicken that we didn't have all the time. That was absolutely a celebration dish. And so those are the foods that sort of, sort of are ingrained in me and it's part of my heritage growing up. And, but I didn't appreciate them until much later in terms of a chef and wanting to incorporate those into what I do. I, I went to a French culinary school and so I had to run away from it. Incredible. Did you have any chefs that were inspiring you during that time? Um, at the time it was mainly my grandmother um, I wasn't even watching Julia Childs on television. I did watch, um, I watched, oh God, what's his name? Woo-wee. Um, the, uh, uh, this, is what, this is what it's like. This is like <laughs> talking to your mama. You didn't know you was doing an interview with the black Barbara Walters today, did you? <laughs> exactly. And I would call myself out because this is like when it's talking, you're talking to your mama or your grandmama. And then they start at the end. They're like, child, I don't know. I don't know your name. And they go through the whole list, you know. And, 
but uh, no, but the question is the question, the questions are great and valid, but um, it was, oh my God, like the Cajun chef. And my, because my dad watched him and I see him in these old baggy jeans with the Justin and he had the, the suspenders. So I would watch him occasionally, but I never really watched food television. So I didn't know chefs. I just knew the family members who cooked this food. So when I started cooking, even after I went to culinary school, I went to culinary school at 30. Mm-hmm. When I started cooking, I didn't, re- the food that I was leaning into that I was trying to remember eventually was the food that I had from my grandmothers. And so, and I didn't even have recipes. I was like, what did, what did it taste like? Like, what did I feel like when mm-hmm. I ate the food? And for me, it was probably really great that I didn't have these other people because when I look at recipes and I'm just trying to recreate something, it's an experience. I'm not just looking at a recipe and the, the pages of a recipe and intellectually try to recreate this. I'm trying to recreate how I felt when I ate the thing. So I actually probably would get closer to the feeling of the dish than if it was written down. Totally makes sense. And there, there's an endurance to that journey as well, because now many people will see your success, but not understand some of the hardships that you've had to overcome. Can you tell me some of the things that were challenging in your career that you had to overcome and what gave you the optimism that you can get through it all? Okay. How much time do you have? All day. All day. <laughs> um, so when I had the lunch delivery service and um, I, was, I was living with my sister and I was going door to door, hair salons, doctor's offices, barbershops, you know, I would be that lady. Somebody would be peddling socks. I was peddling sandwiches and I'm coming <laughs> in and I'm like, um, hey, does anybody want lunch today? And I was making biscuits and, and I worked, I'm, I'm telling you, I worked every single day for five years, every wow. single day. Wow. And if I wasn't delivering, I was prepping the food. And mm-hmm. I didn't understand how to prep like a lot of food for several days. So I, I was doing like only one day of prep for the next day. And and then, then I went to culinary school. But during that time, and I was catering, and I would do an event, and somebody said, hey, do you want to do something for this government agency? And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, that's a great opportunity, yes. And then you would do it and I would scrape together all this money to do uh-huh. the event and they wouldn't pay you for 30 or 60 days. Oh, wow. And I couldn't afford to wait for 30 Correct. or 60 days. Dude, I remember just crying. I was begging from Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. I, I was like crying. I would call them like, when are you going to pay me? When are you going to pay me? Like, I remember standing in the shower crying mm-hmm. Because I needed the money to pay my bills. Like, am I going to lose my car? Am I going to, right? Like all of these things. As a matter of fact, at one point, um, and I'm talking about losing my car, that was later on, but I had bought a $200 mail truck that Mm. had one seat in it that I would put a cooler. So if you were working with me, if you were visiting me, you knew you were going to be making sandwiches. You knew (laughs) that you were going to be sitting on that cooler in the mail truck and we were going to be delivering those sandwiches. And so I did that for five years. And mm-hmm. even when I started my um, my catering company, again, because I think I'm a serial entrepreneur and everybody's like, oh, my God, that's amazing. And they see me now. But back then, I couldn't help but to, I was just working for myself. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 was, I, 
I had to hire people. I hired people who were, uh, it was from a clump, uh, an organization called Jobs for the Homeless. These people um, sometimes um, had mental issues. Mm-hmm. And I remember inviting this lady to sleep with me because she was, she was homeless. I'm like, hey, I have, I have space. You can come and stay at my house. She, was, she couldn't stay in the, in the house. I would wake up and find her outside on the porch because she didn't have the consciousness to stay inside, right? Wow. Um, and that taught me something else. I mean, do I have the consciousness to grow or do I have the consciousness to sort of stay in the struggle mode? So and that was also something that I had to get over. So at the same time that I am working through, I met this girl and I started the spiritual journey of metaphysics. And, mm-hmm. and so it was getting over this lack mentality because for me, I was always, once I got, I got money, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. Then all of a sudden I'd look up and I'd lost the money, you know, mm-hmm. and this is crazy cycle. I mean, on a much smaller scale, it's like when you hear somebody won the lottery and you look up two years later, they had lost it, right? Right. Because you can't go from the mentality of, of, of not having money and all of a sudden having it and expecting to know what to do with it. So mm-hmm. I had to go through that. And, um, and so just that was a journey. Eventually, even on the chew, when you saw me on, on the chew, I remember going to Upfronts, the chew had just started. Now I'm on a national mm-hmm. network. I'm on ABC. I'm on the chew and we had to go to LA for the Upfronts. Now the chew had just started. Mm-hmm. When I got there, I didn't have any money. And I, I had barely enough money on the card to check into the hotel. I had mm. barely enough money to actually eat. And I remember being on the red carpet. We had two red carpets for this particular day. The first red carpet, people are talking to me, yada, yada, yada. We, I come back to a red carpet later, and the photographer said, you, you didn't change your clothes? And I'm like, no, this is the outfit I have. I, right. you know, and it's just like no one really thinks about that, the money that it takes, like the perception Correct. of being on television and having money. And I'm sure you've been through it also yes. in sports, right? Yes. People assume that you have yes. money. When they see you on television, they assume that you're getting paid mm-hmm. when you're actually, you would pay them. You're, I'm literally paying you to come because I have to put all the expenses to get there. Mm-hmm. Right? And, so through that, that. and through that incredible journey of working nonstop, creating your entrepreneurial spirit, testing your faith, crying in the shower, how does it feel now that your goals are happening, but yet the best days are still in front of you? Ah, um, amazing, amazing. And, you know, it's about gratitude. The, just two days ago, somebody said to me, do you get to travel? Do you, she said, do you get to fly a lot? And I thought about that. And it's my first reaction was, I have to, I have to travel a lot. And before I even said it, I said, I said, yeah, I get to travel because I get to go. I, I am able, I get to, I am asked to go to places where people are hiring me or working with brands or doing or going to the work. And, and she said, and she said, wow, that sounds like gratitude. And I said, exactly. I am grateful. And I had to fold that into when I look back and I look at even even 
like some of the things that I'm doing now and like working with QVC, I started this four years ago. And mm. when people are like, oh my gosh, I remember you on Top Chef. Top Chef was 16 years ago. So wow. if you, you're re-watching this show as if it was yesterday, mm-hmm. that is six, 16 years of work and being here. And so when people come, how did you do it? How did you do it? I'm like, are you willing to work five years every single day, yeah. nonstop? Are you mm-hmm. willing to not have money and not have exposure and not have social media and mm-hmm. still do it anyway when no one sees you doing it? Are you willing to go in and you know that somebody is telling you that you are the weakest link of your cast members and you're willing to go back and say, hey, I'm going to pull myself up, even though nobody is actually helping me be my authentic self in this environment. And you have to figure out a way as a black person with no black producers, right? So Mm. all of those things. And I think for me, the one thing that has helped me is knowing that my lessons are only for me. Mm-hmm. So I look back at my lessons and the people, I don't tie my lessons to a person. If somebody's out there tripping me up, I'm like, okay, I guess I had to learn that lesson about how to fall and get back up mm-hmm. because it is only a lesson with a name. And that mm-hmm. is the thing that I take out of it. I, I, I have actually called people with some of my most challenging um, experiences and I've called them years later and I said, you know what? I want to thank you. And why didn't you fire me? And what, you know what I mean? But I said, I want to thank you because I realized I can separate myself from the lesson to where I've gotten, because without that lesson, I wouldn't be here. And and so I'm very appreciative of all of the steps that have taken me. And so I know with all of this information, I am going to go on to do other things. Yes. And through those lessons, you are now using your kitchen collection as a vehicle with QVC to emphasize the importance of connecting through fruit, through food and embracing our heritage. And I'm very gracious that you're doing that. Thank you very much. Tell me about the ways that you honor your heritage through your work as well as your personal life. So this journey to Sweet Heritage with QVC started with my cookbook, Soul Food, Every Day in Celebration. And I remember when I wanted to do that book and I, I said, I, I thought I was going to do a baking cookbook. And I said to my literary agent, hey, I want to do this soul food cookbook. And she says to me, why would you want to do soul food? Because your fans are diverse. You have so many different fans. And, and I was like, wait a minute. Mm. If I was Chinese or Greek or Italian, mm-hmm. would you say that to me if I wanted to do a Greek, Italian or Chinese cookbook, mm-hmm. right? Um, no. You wouldn't. And so being a tourist, I doubled down. I said, okay, now I know if you're telling me no, that means yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I know my mother, my late mother, April 28th, tourist the bull. Dude, so you understand. (laughs) Um, Contrary and not contrary to a fault, but contrary. I think I feel that my stubbornness protects me. Yes. And so um, I could have all kind of mayhem going around me. If it's not going to work for me, I'm not doing it. I don't no, care. No. I, I, exactly. I do not respond to peer pressure. I just don't, you know, right. because I'm stubborn. But mm-hmm. I realized the importance of um, the soul food cookbook. And at the same time, I had been asked to be the culinary ambassador for the National Museum of African-American History and Culture in D.C. And when I went there, I realized, oh, my gosh, I have so much to be so proud of, of our history and so many things that I didn't know. And I said, this is the thing that has to be shared. 
And I said, if I don't know, that means a lot of people don't know. So I wanted to share our food. And and in soul food, we tend to be stuck in all of these celebration dishes, macaroni and cheese, smothered pork, pork chops, oxtails, right? Like all of that. And so I've talked, I've spoken to black people and they're like, oh yeah, I can't eat soul food because it's going to kill me. What wow. other group, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I've heard that. Other... I've heard that too. I've heard that too. It's fried food, too much cheese, too much cholesterol, all of that. There's so many different ways to break those misnomers. Please continue. Uh, so, I mean, what other group or culture would actually damn up their own contributions in their culinary that, that contains so much of their history? And so I use the premise, if I go back to my ancestors, and I did African ancestry, and my people are from, are the Yoruba people from Nigeria and the Bubi people from Bioko Island. So if I used my imagination and said, okay, if those ancestors came over today, how would they be cooking? And so mm -hmm. they wouldn't be frying everything. They wouldn't be doing macaroni and cheese. And a lot of our food is from the culmination of different cultures, right? It's from, it's from Europeans. It's from, um, Native Americans and, and, you know, it's from Africa, but it would be those black eyed peas. It would be those greens. It, it, it would be fufu or now corn because of the Native Americans, but it wouldn't be the food that we started doing once we became mobile. And so I started all of these other grains like millet and sorghum and fonio. And so I said, okay, if we know the celebration dishes, it is also my job to balance it with the everyday dishes because that's also soul food. And the soul food version that we've been selling and, and sort of taking as our own is such a small piece of who we are. Right. And so I said, I will get up on a soapbox and say, people, you don't know yourselves. If you can reject yourself, that means there's something else out there that you have to accept as part of who you are. So you're in the kitchen. You're looking around. There has to be some essentials, some must-haves. So please, if you can, name your top five essential items everyone needs to have in the kitchen. Okay, Jalen, I'm not saying everybody needs it, but if you're in my house, you need to get it from me if you see it's low on stock, okay? <laughs> so um, <laughs> um, vinegar. Because I love pickles. I love a good pucker vinegar. My grandmother always made pickles, like quick pickles. You know, um, I uh, lemon. I love lemon. I love condiments. Condiments are my jam. So ketchup, hot sauce, yellow mustard, Dijon mustard, those condiments make a thing. Um, I always have, I mean, I, I know I'm over five. So that condiments are one, one thing. Yep. I eat a lot of eggs. I love eggs. I don't care how you're making the eggs, boiled yeah. eggs, scrambled eggs, omelet. I need eggs. And in the pantry, I'm going to do a pantry item. And I use um, chopped tomatoes a lot. So chopped mm -hmm. tomatoes in it, like in stews and things like that. That that was, a, I, I could have gone on, but that those are my top five. That That is great. That is great advice. And I also wanted to double down on that because now, because you've been so successful and the sky's the limit about what you're still going to accomplish, you have so many people, in particular women, who have dreams of making it in the culinary world, whether it be opening their own restaurant or writing their own cookbook. What advice would you give them? I 
I think, and this is the thing that I tell people on the baking shows and because I'm interacting with these bakers and, and they're like trying to go on. The one thing that I say, find out who you are. Hmm. Because when you're training, you're you're as you're learning, you're imitating because that's what you do. Because you don't you don't know what you don't know. You don't have enough of like the alphabet. I mean, when you learn the alphabet, you just need to learn the alphabet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you so you are imitating, and then you are um, looking at others just to, to pull some things from different people. And it's not until you get to innovation and that's who you are. Like when you bring your own self to, you're taking all of those pieces and you, you begin to innovate and finding out who you are. And what I would impress upon people to use that information of culture, there's so much information of our culture that sometimes we push aside and we push it aside because we take it for granted. Those things that you're taking for granted are probably your greatest assets. And when you can bring those things into your heart, that's when you're going to be successful. That's when you find out your food. That's when you're giving somebody something they can feel your love and heart. I feel like I'm a, um, a food whisperer. When mm-hmm. I taste your food, I can tell, I can taste your heart. Wow. Sometimes I taste people's food and I'll go to these restaurants and they're fine dining and everything. I'm like, oh, that's okay. Oh, yeah. Right. I may be wild intellectually, but I'm not moved emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 meals that I remember are those that have some kind of connection to those people um, who were cooking the food. And and that's the thing that I I really uh, try to get young cooks or people who are in this field to understand because the intellectual cooks, which I call male energy, and it doesn't mean you have to be a male. It could be mm-hmm. a female. You could be a woman with male energy. Correct. But the female energy is that of nurturing. And that is the energy that is bringing people together. That is that grandmother energy, that cooking with love, that mm-hmm. really brings people together. 